the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. The other day, a little girl was coming into the Mary Katz Castle School, and I noticed her headband. It was made up of little tiny Guatemalan worry dolls. Uh, you may know what worry dolls are. Often they're, they're little tiny things made of, of thread and fabric, and uh, they sometimes come in a colorful little basket. And the idea is that, uh, especially for children, if you have a worry, then you tell it to the doll and you put it in the basket, and that takes care of the worry. At breakfast after the 8 o'clock service today, one of the, uh, the parishioners who used to teach school was telling us that one of the, the very wise-sounding guidance counselor at her school had a worry basket in her office. And not only children, but adults <laughs> would come by and ask to see the worry dolls and tell the worry doll something and put it in the basket. And with a group of kids, she had a whole ritual where they would sort of clap their hands and make the worry go away. I have to confess that a part of me, when I saw this sweet little girl wearing her worry doll uh, headband, I thought, what does she have to worry about? I mean, she's being brought to school by loving parents in a a great city and and, um, surrounded by all that will will help and nurture and give life and love. But of course, children of every age have their worries, perhaps this day more than ever. The news and the anxiety of our culture um, soaks into someone. And so even when a child can't name a particular worry or anxiety, sometimes they carry that feeling. Um, Certainly teenagers have their list of worries, uh, good grades and pleasing parents and negotiating families and expectations, but also getting the right internship and the right volunteer thing and getting in the right school at a much earlier age than I ever had to worry about those things. And who of us is without our own worries, whether it's the, the cost of rent or other expenses or, or how to age well, or how to take care of a family relation who is aging. We all have our worries. We all have our fears, no matter what age. Today's scriptures, I think, work together to present for us a way through worry and fear. They don't come right out and say it, certainly not in the first reading, but it's about that. For Jeremiah, it was very much about worry and fear. You may remember the prophet Jeremiah. He has a whole book named after him. He was quite a force. He was God's man. He spoke for God, and no one doubted it until they did, and until everyone did. And in the passage we hear today, Jeremiah has, has been preaching and teaching and speaking out, and he's, he's been so far out front that now the people who he loves and loves on behalf of God have begun to suspect him as the enemy. No longer is he the beloved prophet of God, but he's the problem. He brings bad news. 
And Jeremiah has gotten so far out front that he's sort of gotten separated from his sense of God's presence. And so Jeremiah isn't hearing God in his ear so much as he's hearing all these other competing voices. These voices suggesting doubts and worries. And so we overhear Jeremiah voicing that concern where all around him people are suggesting maybe God has turned God's back on Jeremiah. Maybe God has moved on and forgotten all about Jeremiah. Maybe Jeremiah is just full of himself and cut off from God entirely. Let's get him while he's down, Jeremiah hears people saying. The prayer that we get from Jeremiah has been uh, dressed up considerably for Sunday morning uh, devotions. Um, If one learns Hebrew, you you begin to look at this passage early on. It's one of the fun ones to look at because it has some vulgarity in it. And anytime someone studies a foreign language at any age, that's really the good stuff, isn't it? And so when we study the book of Jeremiah, we learn that this dressed up sentence where Jeremiah sounds very pious and says to God, O Lord, you have enticed me and I have been enticed. Another version says, O Lord, you have seduced me. The New English Bible, one of my favorites, says, O Lord, thou hast duped me and I have become thy dupe. The actual language is much more violent. It's language of a kind of sexual attack. And so you can use your imagination to imagine what Jeremiah is really saying to God. Oh God, you have done me over. You have forgotten me. You have violated me. You have treated me like the worst of the worst. Shocking language for God's beloved, for a prophet who supposedly is so close to God. But we hear in that prayer Jeremiah's fear, his terror that God has left him, but also his deep, deep desire that it not be so, that God be present, that God show himself, that God show up and come through. And sure enough, that's what happens over time. If you recall that so much of Scripture, especially what we know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, were were kept in an oral tradition long before they were ever written down. Especially a passage like this that chronicles Jeremiah's uh, sort of triad relationship with God and with the people of Israel. Um, It happens over a long time, over a sort of lifetime of Jeremiah. And so I don't think Jeremiah prayed his fears away instantaneously. I don't think it works that way. I don't think he he said this beautiful prayer to God and then poof, he felt better immediately thereafter. I think it was probably a longer struggle. But gradually, built up over time, Jeremiah's fears go away. Faith replaces fear. Often I hear people say kind of casually that, that faith is the opposite of fear. And while I I think I know what they mean, it it always bothers me a little bit. Uh, It it seems a little too simplistic, and it's also not what I have experienced. Uh, Even at my most faithful, I still have some fears. Even in my most fearful, I try to have faith. And so the two are always there, but to a greater or lesser extent. 
And so while I, I continue to grow in faith and wrestle with faith, and I think one day we'll be an even more faithful person, I'll probably never be completely beyond fear. But my faith shows me how to get through fear. My faith gives me what I need to get through fear. Faith together is what we have in this life and into the next. Jeremiah eventually moves through his fear to a faith where he can finally feel the strength of God's presence. And so he he sings out and he praises and he, he knows absolute deliverance and salvation from God. That's the image that Jesus offers his friends and disciples and that he offers us. Again, so much is is taken from various places and sources and put into the gospel passage that we hear today. And so we get snippets from over time. And so what we hear Jesus saying sounds a little random. He's doing a lot in those words that we proclaimed together a few minutes ago. At one level, he's talking to those who are feeling the criticisms and the persecutions of, of the Jewish officials. And they have already accused Jesus of carrying a demon, a demon named Beelzebul, another name for the devil. And so Jesus turns it back on them in this kind of convoluted argument that if you know Beelzebul, then you must have Beelzebul. And so that enters into today's gospel. But basically Jesus is talking to his disciples and friends and in so doing talking also to us, saying scary days will come. What will feel like persecution may come your way. Keep your faith. It will lead you through fear. Jesus says, remember the sparrows. God knows every one. Not a sparrow falls that's not within the sight of God. God, in fact, knows every hair on your head. Or every hair that once was on your head. God knows us better than we know ourselves. That's the point of today's gospel. Jesus gets very personal with his followers and friends and with us when Jesus talks about conflicts in family. I'll never forget the year that I did a big wedding, maybe the largest wedding of my ministry. And the whole family on both sides were loyal, faithful churchgoers. And so we had had the wedding on Saturday And then everybody was in church on Sunday. It felt like wedding part two because the whole crowd was there. And guess what gospel we read? This one about mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and father against son and how conflict will exist in family. I had to think quickly on my feet. Of course, Jesus is not encouraging us to, to make the conflicts worse. He's not baptizing them and saying they're okay. Um, Jesus is not telling us to ignore the family that we've been born into and go our own way no matter what. Obviously, there are times that we do that and there are times that we don't. But instead, Jesus is simply stating a fact. A fact that he knew and a fact that his followers knew then and his followers know now. That faithful discipleship sometimes makes others uneasy. Being a faithful Christian, being a deep lover of God, will cause us to make decisions and go in directions that sometimes are not understood by everyone looking on. 
There will be those who, who read of Christians participating in today's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender pride parade, and they will scratch their heads and think that shouldn't be. There'll be people of various faiths looking at those who are faithful, who are marching alongside those who've been so long cast out and in some countries are still cast out and imprisoned and put to death, and they won't understand what we do. And so we do it all the more. We speak the words of Jesus Christ, we show his love, we carry his cross in love, in witness, in sacrifice, in invitation. Jesus gives us the way of faith through fear. It doesn't make the conflicts go away. It doesn't make the scary things vanish. But it gives us what we need. Jesus gives us that image of the cross. And we misunderstand that image if we think of it as a weapon or a battering ram. Of course, there are many of our tradition and others who use the cross in that way. But that's not Jesus' intention. The cross calls us to change, calls us to grow, calls us to a deeper place, no matter who we are or where we are. Jesus says we should carry our cross daily, live into our cross daily. I remember years ago, probably at a vacation Bible school in a summer, I learned an important point about a cross. It's an obvious one, but it's one I forget in my own devotion, and perhaps you may forget as well. It's that the dimensions of the cross go two ways. There's a vertical dimension, and there's a horizontal dimension. That vertical dimension reminds us that we, we live and, and move and have our being within the realm of God, whether we imagine God is directly above or, or within our sphere. God is connected to us and we are connected to God and nothing can ever break that connection. And sometimes the way of moving through something that's, that's making us afraid is to remember that vertical axis. We are connected to God. Like a light that shines on each one of us, God is with us and within us, and nothing ever takes that away. But the cross also has the horizontal axis. And Christ reminds us of that as he embodied in his own life, that the cross reaches out to other people. And sometimes the way of moving through fear is by relying on others by allowing them to do for us, by asking for help, by asking for advice, by telling others that we are afraid, by leaning on their love and attention. That's what Jesus means by living with the cross daily, living in both that vertical and horizontal dimension, carrying the cross with us and keeping it close. Sometimes when we're afraid, the only thing we can do is say our prayers and sort of duck for cover and wait for God to show God's self. And so we live into that vertical dimension of the cross. But at other times, we live into the horizontal one. We lean on each other. We call on each other. We become the body of Christ for one another. We become like those early disciples and the disciples of today who share support and strength and nurture and love. Thanks be to God that in the words of 1 John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. 
May we too carry the love of Christ in our bodies this day and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.